Welcome to Leo Rising, a living tarot and creative intuition podcast. Here we'll have a conversational exploration of tarot, personal and spiritual growth, and identity formation. It's less of a how-to and more of a come along on the journey with me. I'll process stories from my life, both from the past and from the current moments that I'm moving through, to give listeners things to think about in their own journey. I'll also be introducing you to wonderful humans who are exploring these topics in their lives, either personally, professionally, or both. So my name is Jenna Fox, and I'm an educator, writer, tarot reader, Reiki master, and queer mystical mama. What I'm not is an expert. So if you're a seeker, if you've got a curious mind or are interested in esoteric topics, then this is the podcast for you. And I'm so excited to have you on the journey. Let's get started, shall we? On today's episode, I'm going to talk with you about where imposter syndrome has been showing up in my life and how I've been embracing a beginner's mind by exploring the topic of tarot card reversals. This week I brought my students to a philosophy talk on campus that was about free will and it was exploring the topic of determinism and despair and hope and it gave some really great quotes from Viktor Frankl, one of my um, favorite psychologists and Holocaust concentration camp survivors. So my intention for bringing my students to one of these quote real lectures on campus is because it's a college level um, experience and I'm, I'm great at relating to my students on the topic of human development. I have quite an understanding of crisis intervention and working with students from some of these backgrounds that is maybe atypical, but they are going to be graduating from my class this quarter and heading out into a more academically robust um, experience on campus. And so I wanted them to have this experience of being in a lecture that was over their head, Um, something like Intro to Philosophy or Biology 160 or something that is going to challenge them a little bit more. I sometimes think at the end of the the quarter they've gotten into sort of like that sweet comfy spot on the couch where it's warm and it's like the perfect butt indentation and you're just like ah, nestled in and I wanted to just remind them that not every instructor is like me um and so we went to this this lecture and it was almost an hour long and my students left and they were um, completely overwhelmed. But what was interesting is that um, I was having some very similar experiences as the students. So we had this discussion um, because in the previous couple of days before this lecture, we had been talking about learning strategies and how to read textbooks. And and I wanted them to have this really concrete example of what to expect when they are in other college classes. And I knew that the lecture, as somebody who's never studied philosophy specifically, was going to be over my head. Um, And so I went and I I have a pretty broad knowledge uh, around a lot of topics, um, but I was I was lost in parts of this lecture, and so 
I left feeling really discouraged. And it was important for me to experience this as an instructor that works with students who often feel discouraged in academic settings. Um, but I, I started feeling like I don't know anything. <laughs> um, and that's not true. I know a lot about a lot of things, but the depth of knowledge that I have isn't as um, robust as maybe this philosophy instructor. So I, I really embrace curiosity and I love having a beginner's mind. Um, but this going to this lecture brought up a lot of feelings in me around self-worth and who am I to even lead a class? Am I instructor? And who am I to have a tarot podcast, right? That's another example um, of this. I just felt like incredible shame about my own intellect. And um, I knew that I wasn't going to have any like real expertise on this topic, but I just felt really embarrassed. And it was a voluntary talk for people to go to. Um, and so they, the way it was presented is like people would already have... Um, information about the topic of philosophy and it was probably something that would be explained you know in week nine or ten of a philosophy quarter and not just day one so I just I left and I felt this this like imposter syndrome this um sort of fraudulent feeling around myself like am I just a complete imposter. I'm not an expert on tarot. I'm not an expert on spirituality. I'm not even an expert on myself. So who am I to really get up on stage and talk to y'all, you know? Um, and if I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, how can I possibly give this information or any type of advice to my students who are trying to figure out their educational goals or career paths? Now, a couple of years ago, I came across Emily Wapnick's um, TED Talk, and it was really about people who have this multi-passions in their life and following your curiosity, which is something that Elizabeth Gilbert talks about as well. So following your curiosity and that it's okay that you don't know everything about everything or that you don't know everything about one particular subject. It's okay to know little bits of lots of different things. Um, and that generalist idea is, is an important one. So let me give you, let me give you more of an example, um, to kind of ground this. I am an adult adoptee, which means I was adopted at birth and I'm an adult now. And I've been really active in the, um, adoption rights activism community for the last several years. Um, probably around nine years or so. I'm in reunion with both of my biological um, families, and I'm really obsessed with learning about DNA and ancestral breakdown. So recently I've taken a couple of DNA tests, and I have learned that my maternal haplogroup is U5B1B1A1A1. And what that means is that's really tracing back my maternal lineage. And because I am female, my chromosomes, I can only trace back my mother line. I would have to have my father do a DNA test to test his Y DNA line to get more concrete, accurate data on his, on his inside of the information. 
So the U line, there are seven what they call daughters of Eve who populated the world with these different matrilineal lineages. lineages. And the U line is where my family comes from, my mother line comes from. And so compared to the people in my life, like friends, family, my students, I know or I appear to know quite a lot about DNA and ancestral breakdowns. Um, but last week I decided that I was going to join um, a Sami genealogy website. And Sami are the indigenous um, people of northern, um, like Norway, Sweden, Finland, parts of uh, Russia, and were often in like historical past called Laplanders. So because of my maternal haplogroup, which is the U5B1B1A1A1, there is some likelihood that I have Sammy DNA, like 58% of Sammy have that same maternal haplogroup, um, which of course doesn't mean that I'm guaranteed to have that um, ancestry, but there's a, a likelihood. And so I'm trying to trace my DNA and figure out whether I can actually claim some of this really ancient indigenous um, Scandinavian um, ancestry. And so I went to another website and I downloaded my raw data for analysis and I uploaded it. And it it's um, a site where there's many different people doing projects on European ancestry. They're doing all sorts of ancestry, but I was focusing on European ancestry because that's what I have and trying to break it down into more specific subregions historically. So for example, um, it looks like I have some um, Orkney Scottish Island ancestry, not just the broad quote UK and British. British Isles. Um, and the Orkney were um, invaded by Vikings, and so it's um, an aspect of Scottish, um, Scottish islands, but there is a Viking influence there. And so as I was going through this and reading all this information around DNA, I realized that I don't know as much as I thought I knew, right? I knew maybe more than the people around me in just my general life, but as I started going down these rabbit trails of information in this genealogy and looking at ancestry and breakdowns and chromosomes and segments of chromosomes and trying to figure out second to fifth cousins, I became completely overwhelmed. And I was dropped into a new layer of depth that feels overwhelming and confusing. And yet I know that as I traveled further down this path, that information is going to integrate with me. It's going to settle in. It's going to um, blend together and it's going to kind of um, become a part of me. So how does this relate to tarot? Um, Because, well, tarot is something that's really relevant in my life right now. And one of the concepts in tarot that I have been hesitating to really explore is reading reversals in cards. So I've been reading tarot for a few years, and I've been pretty um, resistant to the idea of reading a reversal. Now, let's, let's talk about what a reversal is, or an upright card to begin with. The cards, when they're read upright, is that they are drawn, you know, face up, and if you are looking at the the cards, like you're the person getting the reading, the cards are all facing you in an upright position. So if there's a person in the card, it's sitting like in a way that is normal, like it's not upside down, with the exception of the hanged man. And 
there's, you know, 78 cards and they all have specific meanings. And for me, as I've been learning about these different meanings and reading the cards, I feel like the 78 cards that exist cover enough of the life experiences that I don't need to do any added layers, or that's how I felt. Reading them um, upright in their just normal position has already felt like enough information to get a conversation going. And I sort of feel like I've even struggled to verbally discuss the cards. Writing comes much more naturally to me, which is why I absolutely love giving distance readings through PDF email, um, because I can sit with the cards and I can mentally check in and begin writing from kind of like any place. But the product that the person gets on the other end is a well-written, informative, narrative-style description of the reading, rather than sometimes when I do a reading verbally, I feel a little bit scattered and all over the place initially, or I feel like I need to start talking right away, even if I haven't gathered and collected all of my thoughts. So I've been saying that I am a tarot reader who doesn't do reversals, Um, but I'm wondering if maybe that is like when I was um, a couple of years ago, I would really only let myself do level one yoga classes. Even though I've been practicing yoga for 15 years, I always felt like a beginner. I never felt like I could say, yeah, I'm ready for level two, or yeah, I'm an expert at this. There's something about, I really love having a beginner's mind. And yet there's also that, is it a fear in me of claiming an expert status or adding these extra layers? Um, So right now I've decided that for the purpose of this podcast episode, as I've been mulling on it this week, I'm going to explore different ways of reading reversals. And for a tarot reading, that would mean when you deal the cards right now, if a card was upside down in a reading, I would just simply turn it right side up. And I would just read the reading with all of the cards facing up. But if I were to start doing reversals, that would mean leaving the cards as they are. And then reading those added layers of meaning that could potentially be read into the cards um, as they're in a reversed position. So I did a little digging and one of the resources that I found online um, is Bridget Esselmont. So she's known online as Biddy Tarot. And she's a pretty well-known tarot reader and has a pretty um, like polished, beautiful um, online presence and a podcast and a tarot school and everything like that. Um, and it almost start is started to feel as I followed her for the last couple of years, like really corporate, but she had in a, in one of her blog posts, a suggestion for how that there's a couple of different ways to read reversed tarot cards. And so um, I decided that I was going to try it. And I was shuffling through my deck this morning, and all of the cards happened to be upright, except for the King of Cups. 
Now, I'm going to describe the King of Cups if he were upright. So on the deck that I'm using, which is the Dreaming Way Tarot, the King of Cups is a regal looking man. I would say it has like the masculine, even though this um, deck tends to be a little bit more gender ambiguous. This definitely looks um, like a stereotypical masculine um, person with a beard and brown hair. And his eyes are closed and he's dressed in a blue suit that's flowy, black, um, black boots. And he has a white crown and he's sitting on what appears to be a throne, but the throne is floating in the sea or an ocean. Um, there's waves and there's a night sky. And on his lap, he is holding in his left hand a cup, and in the cup is a ship that's floating on the liquid that's in the cup. So the King of Cups is the highest evolved form of the suit of cups, and the suit of cups is dealing with the element of water and the idea of emotions, emotional self, emotional maturity, different um, the realm of feelings. So in the upright position, the King of Cups is like mastered the outward expression of um, feelings. His eyes are closed in this image and he just looks peaceful and calm while also having a commanding um, presence. And it's just like he's got his stuff together, right? And he's in control. So Biddy Tarot Online has four ways to read reversals. And the first suggestion that she has, and, she, and her suggestions is to pick one of these. So the four are looking at that card as internalized energy. So instead of having it be energy that's focused outward, it would be energy that would be um, focused inward. Her second suggestion is looking at maybe too much or too little of that particular energy in the card. Her third um, suggestion is blocked energy. And then her fourth suggestion is upside down imagery. So in this example of King of Cups, if I'm looking at it in the reversed position, it would be a focus inward, right? So instead of the King of Cups being the externalized um, appearance into the rest of the world that if if a, if a client was coming to me I would say I would look at this reversal and be like this is like an internal mastery or an internal experience of being um, you know that uh, king of cups and that it's going inside rather than having it be external like it typically suggests and so I, I can see a little bit how that might, that might work. Um, and I would say if I were doing a reading, I would, I would maybe like that internalized energy perspective. So I could see as I've, I've explored, okay, I can see that that might be a, a, a layer that I could use in a tarot reading. Now, there's the other option, which is to look at it from too much or too little energy. Okay, so in this example, it might mean this King of Cups is too much, right? Almost looking at it as like a blocking um, or a blockage. It's an imbalance in some way. So it might say, okay, 
you know, where it feels like this King of Cups has his has his stuff together and he's very regal and his eyes are closed but like are you closing off your eyes too much to the other the outside world are you just focused on um, emotions is there maybe some benefit to opening your eyes and taking a look around and not just being internal and kind of dealing with emotions like what are some of the other things that are going on here like maybe pay attention to the fact that you're on a throne floating in the sea and maybe that's a little dangerous and maybe we might want to have you know some conversations here about whether this is the sole focus that you should have right now that's maybe how I would interpret it and I don't know is that right is that wrong I'm feeling like I'm again experience something that's out of my depth right I'm kind of channeling some of that feeling that I had in that philosophy lecture of like I am over my head and I am a fraud I am imposter syndrome I don't know what I'm doing I can feel pretty confident in reading this king of cups upright and talking about that but adding this like layered twist of what can this mean if it shows up it's challenging for me so her third suggestion would be blocked energy. So, and, and I wouldn't pick, she, she, you know, she would say, don't pick all four of these, right? You would just kind of go with, just go with one way of reading reversals and try it out and see if that's a way that you can, um, you know, kind of add in these more nuances of the card. So blocked energy. Well, that would mean pretty straightforwardly, I would say that the energy of the King of Cups is wanting to come through and is somehow blocked, right? That if you pull this card in the reverse position, it's like you want to have that emotional mastery. You want to have that serenity and that great peacefulness with um, being at the highest um, evolution of that suit of cups and yet something is blocking that and so that's a way that we could talk about you know if you were in a reading with me we could talk about what could we do to have that be unstuck her fourth suggestion is upside down imagery and this is the one that is the most confusing to me. Um, the example that she used is um, like in the Ten of Swords where the person is laying on the ground and there's ten swords kind of stabbed into their back. And that it seems like a very painful card. But if it, if it were reversed, it would appear that the swords were falling out of the person's back. Um, and so that could be like, you know, the, the pain is falling away. Well, this King of Cups reversed, I look at it and I'm like, so the, the ship is sailing upside down, the water could be falling out, everything is upside down. Um, the imagery, reading it from this perspective of just looking at upside down imagery seems very confusing to me and not something that I naturally would gravitate towards. Um, I could say maybe it goes a little bit like the hanged man um, and that, you know, he seems pretty peaceful and calm upside down looking at things from a different perspective. But if I were to use that interpretation, I would say, well, why not just wait for the hanged man to show up in a reading? Because I think that most experiences in people's lives happen in the entirety of the deck of Tara. And so I would just wait for the hanged man to show up and talk about how perspective change could happen in our life. So those are 
four approaches to reading reversed cards just for this particular card. And I'm still on the fence. After having explored this, I think it's something that I might want to pay attention to and do some more um, exploration in a personal way, um, maybe paying attention to when I get tarot readings to see what it's like if I get a reversal and what that could possibly mean before I just start um, busting this out with clients. Because again, when I read tarot um, cards in the upright position, I feel like within the upright holds the layers of the reversal that all of the different cards have both shadow side and light side. And that yes, the King of Cups is seen as this highest evolution of emotions, but even within it being in an upright position, that there still is that added layer of are you closing your eyes off to some of the other senses? We could have that conversation around you're floating in the ocean on this throne and are you maybe a little bit out of touch? In emotional mastery, you're doing awesome. And then what? What are those other things that are going on around that maybe your eyes are closed to because you're simply focused on emotional mastery? So I'm unsure um, about whether I will do this in my tarot practice. And yet I really loved the experience of having these really strong, overwhelming feelings of imposter syndrome and like I don't know anything. It helped me to feel very empathetic towards my students in my class um, that they're going to be in these situations where uh, if I'm not an expert at anything, one of my really good friends was saying that I am an expert at being a student. I do know what it's like to sit in a class. I do know what it's like to take notes and get through school. I've gone through school several times. Um, and that it is a skill to be able to sit in those situations with the uncomfortable feelings of like, I don't know what the heck is going on here and how to figure out how to cope through that. Um, and so I love that the tarot is mimicking things that are going on in my current life and current experience. Um, that this idea of looking at these reversals and kind of trying to challenge myself to explore, have I, have I stunted my own growth? Or is it I can confidently say after having done a lot of work, no, I don't read reversals. But I can't just say that without having gone through the experiencing of deciding really not out of fear and anxiety that I can't or that it's too confusing or that I'm just not good enough to really come to the other side and say, here's what I do from an informed position and here's what I do from, um, you know, a really congruent way of knowing myself and how I see these. Um, and so I want to leave you with that of like, what do you do when you feel that imposter syndrome or, um, that you're not good enough. Like, how do you, how do you sit with that? How do you move through that energy into kind of maybe a more understanding of self or, um, yeah, like, like sitting with that, what is your process for getting through that? And where does it show up in your life that I was, I was actually really surprised and shocked because, um, I voluntarily was taking my students to this lecture and I wanted them to learn something. And I think it was actually more um, informative for my own self 
in that process. So I leave you with that and would love to know, do you do reversals? And if you do, what is your method of reading reversals? Um, Because I'm open to this this learning process. Um, So thanks for listening, you guys. And I would love to um, continue this conversation on Instagram or on my Facebook page, or you can email me. I would love to keep talking about this topic. So I'll talk to you guys soon. Hey friends, thanks for listening to Leo Rising, a tarot and creative intuition podcast. As of January 2021, this podcast and all of the information is archived. So feel free to listen to the episodes. The wisdom of the tarot is everlasting. But much of the information about um, booking a reading from people has changed in the last couple of years. So know that there isn't a tarot um, Instagram account or email address or way to get a hold of me for readings at this point. And of course, I will update that in the future if it changes.